Hello, I'm Angela. And I'm Marie, the second half of this mother and daughter team. Welcome to Chalker Checkups. We're here to guide you on your quest for spiritual knowledge and enlightenment. So this week, I get the pleasure of visiting my mom and grandma. So we get to record this episode in person, which is awesome. Yes, it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, yes, it is. She's so stoked to have me here, feeding me all of the food, trying to get me to gain weight. And I'm convinced I'm just here to solve all of the electronic issues in the house. (laughs) (laughs) That's my expectation. (laughs) That's the expectation of having me here to visit. But yeah, we're having a great time here. And we also recognize that not everyone is lucky enough to have... Uh, a family dynamic that is not very stressful on them or people have a lot of expectations when they go home or when they have their family members coming to visit them. And we want this to work for you. Uh, you know, we want you to come out of the experience happy that you went Yeah. and looking forward to the next time that you visit with your family. Yeah. So, um, how can someone prep before they go visit back home? Well, the first thing I would recommend is that you take a little bit of time and think about what your unresolved expectations are with your family. A lot of times when you're going to get back together, you're thinking, okay, my dad's going to finally tell me he's proud of me. My mom's going to, you know, forgive me for whatever getting a flat tire, whatever, you've got all these expectations and expectation profile, right off the bat, you're going to be points ahead. You're not going to have that energy hanging over you and you're not going to be upset. All anger is in the past or in the future. So, and most anger is generated out of an unfulfilled expectation. So if you your expectations is to not have any, in good <laughs> shape, you're doing better. <laughs> you're gonna be in good shape. Yeah. Well, and I think sometimes it can just be very triggering for uh, some people visiting home with you know parents being like, "Why aren't you married yet? Why don't you have a boyfriend? I want grandchildren. Why are you eating too much? Why are you not eating enough?" <laughs> Well, here's something that you can do about this, and this works very well, and uh, I, I've used this for years and years. If someone is projecting an energy at them and you don't resist that energy, it tends to resolve. It tends to dissipate. So when someone says something you don't like, if you don't argue the energy or you agree with them, they they don't have any more um, power. They don't know what to go to next. Their anticipation is that you're going to argue and they've got their whole argument laid out. They've got, you know, it's like two attorneys. You each got your side and you're ready to argue your side. But if you right away you agree, then their whole case falls apart. Yeah. <laughs> so so what you do is if your your aunt says, well, you're clearly past the uh, biological clock is running out and you should have two babies by now and where are those babies you say 
Oh, so you're saying my biological clock's running out. Yes. And I should have two babies by now. I should. And where are those babies? Where are those babies? You're just repeating back to them what they say. Yeah. You're not disagreeing or agreeing. You're just saying back. Like, wow, you think that I should do this. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got that. I got you think I should have two babies. My clock's running out. My time is up. Thank you. (laughs) (laughs) And while you're doing that, especially if they're angry, then you can be also, you look at them and you, you, in your mind, you have this back, back dialogue observing, oh, look at how her eyes are popping out. (laughs) Yeah. Look at how spit is flying out of her mouth. You know, you just keep doing that. Say, oh, notice another thing. She always waves her hands when she wants me to have babies. You know, you just keep doing that while you're agreeing with her. Yeah. I used to do this at a jewelry store and people come in and say, I hate the store. Okay, you hate the store and I'm never going to buy anything here again. You're never going to buy anything here again. Okay, I understand. Uh, You want your money back. I don't think that's going to happen, but you want your money back. I understand. Totally, you know, and I just keep doing that. Sometimes by the time we ended the conversation, they suddenly say, Oh, before I leave, I should get something for my wife. Yeah. (laughs) Like, well, you actually were pretty pleasant to deal with, so I might as well buy something here again. So, you know, I mean, just try that. Instead of going into the argument or, oh, my God, there you go again with this stupid thing or, you know, or now you made me feel old or all of that back angst that you have because they've done this before which is in the past the anger that's in the past just say right back to them what they're saying yeah well and I've also noticed when you don't engage with uh you know those type of conversations and you're just like oh okay like that's what you think I should be doing like okay it can be somewhat comical to be analyzing the person as they're doing it so instead of you getting worked up then you're kind of laughing more in internally at whatever you think is going on in their head and why they think you should be doing these things. If you're, if you're doing this and you're kind of enjoying yourself doing it, you'll actually watch them kind of be stunned. They're like, wow, she just agreed with me. Yeah. <laughs> that doesn't happen. <laughs> yeah, I agree with them really just to throw them off their game. <laughs> They're expecting a battle. They're expecting some sort of argument or some excuse or something that was the usual response. So you could trick them up with no combativeness. I'm not going to be in a combat. I'm here just to be with my family. Mm-hmm. I'm not going to I'm not going to do that. And and the more you don't do that, they'll just they just start to relax and become very agreeable. Yeah. Yeah, and So how would that work? Because I know a lot of families kind of over drink. Some families get like more, more drunk or more violent or more angry as the evening progresses as well. Well, once somebody becomes incoherent, there's not a lot anybody can do with an incoherent person. And hopefully not too many people are dealing with that. But the whole rest of the family around that person you can deal with you know 
One thing with families that I think that's very important, and it's important to think about before you go, and it's important to think about when you're there. I try to keep in mind that everybody in your family is loving you to their highest ability to project that love. Yeah. For some people, that might be just showing up and getting drunk and being belligerent. But they did show up. Mm -hmm. They could have gone someplace else, but they chose to be with their family. And maybe their highest expression of love is to then get drunk and be belligerent. Mm -hmm. But if you just look at them when they're being their most belligerent and say, whoa, this person's highest expression of love is this. Okay, I accept that love mm-hmm. instead of, you know, what an ass, you know, <laughs> <laughs> that's not going to help, Yeah, you know, and, you know, and if you just go around the family and just look at them and, and say that, and, and here's my aunt, and this is her highest expression of love, and wow, this person, look at this person that has been cooking all day long, and this is their highest expression of love. And, you know, this guy just said hello and went into the bedroom and has been playing video games all day. Mm-hmm. And that is his. Because sometimes that is the absolute truth of it. Oftentimes that is the absolute truth of it. I don't believe that people deliberately want to be unloving. I think that everybody wants to be loved and they want to be on some level with their family. Mm-hmm. And they want to be successful in being with their family. Yeah, I know one of my really good friends was asking, like, how she can better connect with her her parents and stuff as well of, you know, wanting to be able to have more conversations with them and be more open and talk about more things and not really understanding or knowing how to make that jump into a better, deeper connection with them. Yeah, and sometimes that's difficult. But a lot of times on a, on a family gathering, that isn't the best time. Right. My sister was very good at that. Oh, this reminds me of the time I was molested that I never told you about. Or oh, God. <laughs> some such thing like that. You know, try to bring well, out... Well, I'm not, I'm not talking about any of those situations that suddenly we want to, like, talk about and stuff. Right. Your sister was a very special person. <laughs> Her highest expression of love was very dramatic. (laughs) But you also want to keep in mind that you're in a very stressful situation for everybody. Everybody's kind of has these expectations. They're on their guard. They're trying to be on their best behavior or they're resisting having to try to be on their best behavior. Yeah. Some of them want to be there. Some of them are being dragged there. And so you've got this giant mix. This kind of reminds me, like, if you think about a family, like it's an, it's a giant entity. It's a huge conglomerate of various different thought forms that have come together to form one giant being, the family. Mm-hmm. Or you could look at it like it's a giant chakra system Mm -hmm. and in a way you can you can kind of play a game with yourself while you're there for the day the weekend the night 
and say, okay, if this was a giant chakra system, you know, okay, who would be the crown chakra? Who is the, the thinker, the head? Who's the ruler of this whole thing? Mm-hmm. You know, who's doing that? You know, and how much respect is they, are they getting? Should I be giving them the respect that they deserve? You know, and look around and that might be dad or that might be grandma or grandpa. Who's the third chakra, the solar plexus? Who's the worker? You know, the one that's been cooking all day or working or put this whole thing together and been making all the calls to make it happen. I don't know. Who's the heart chakra? Who's the one that brought us all together? Who's the heart chakra that wanted, made, wanted to make this happen and called everybody and said, please don't miss it. Mm-hmm. You know, and we want you there. And Yeah, we would love to have you here kind of thing. Yeah, it's important to us no matter what you think. You're, you are important to us. We love you. Um, you know. Who's the prankster entity? That's just <laughs> the coyote. <laughs> Who's the one that just likes to stir the pot? <laughs> yes, definitely. Just gonna, just gonna be wide, running around the edges, seeing what kind of mischief they can make. <laughs> you know, uh, there's always that in the mix, and look at it that way, and begin to really examine who's in your family, how they play these roles, and where do you fit in. Am I the shaman or am I part of the heart chakra Mm -hmm. or am I the psychic that just sees all this and tries to make sense of it or what is my role? So how does recognizing our role in the family dynamic help us? Well, it helps because we begin to see that we're all part of a whole and we begin to actually acknowledge people for more for what their part is and how we are all you know, we do all fit together mm-hmm. instead of just seeing their faults or their their past history that didn't work for us mm-hmm. or our projected disappointment about what they're not going to do for us or what we think they should do. It, it We're seeing them in the now, in the present, for who they are and what they are and starting to recognize uh, their qualities, the quality of that person. Yeah. And might help us to see it, sort of try to figure it out. Sometimes I've been invited to go into someone's home that everything was dysfunctional and they would say, there's a big problem here and we need you to figure it out. And so I would go in and I'd look at every family member and I'd talk with every family member and I'd look around. And a lot of times it wasn't what they thought was going on. And the person with the most power oftentimes wasn't the one they thought it was. Mm-hmm. I remember one time there was a family with six kids and their little five-year-old was really the problem. He was very psychic and he was kind of pushing everybody his energy. He was like the head of the whole family in a certain way. And when I got in there and I started to really recognize, okay, who's who's the... Who's the smart one in this family? Who's really running this? Who's the heart? Who's the worker? You know, just looking at that and looking at the energetics and letting myself feel how they're feeling and looking at how they look at each other and talk to each other and appreciating what is there. I begin to go, huh, I think this all comes down to (laughs) this little guy. You begin to see the dynamic and how you fit in. 
And when you start to look at your family that way, instead of, again, just these expectations that you have, you're, you're actually engaging with them and seeing them in this different way. I think you get more of appreciation for who they are. Yeah, I mean, ultimately, people don't change overnight. So expecting someone to apologize for something that you fought about two years ago at this Thanksgiving is, you know, probably an unrealistic expectation in the first place. So you're going to end up being disappointed if you go in with that. Yeah, or they didn't come to your graduation or they brought your brother a car and they didn't buy you one or all of those things that every family has that. That's never going to change. Anything in the past is never going to change. Yeah. The only thing that can change is... Your mindset around it. Your mindset around that. And mm-hmm. how you're going to confront your family members the next time you see them. Mm-hmm. You know? And that can make a huge amount of difference. Mm-hmm. And if you start to lose it, what you can do is just take yourself apart from them for a few minutes sorry i need to go to the bathroom (laughs) something (laughs) to take a breath and when you do take a few minutes and see yourself as light do a two minute mini meditation and they like my first chakra is beautiful red my second chakra is a beautiful tangerine my third chakra is a giant sun i'm full of light, I'm shiny, I'm Mm -hmm. bright, my heart is full of gold light and love, it's expanding all around me, you know, my throat chakra is beautiful blue, I can say my truth and nothing is going to stop me, my crown chakra is beautiful gold, and just sit there and spend a few minutes and say, think, this is who I am, this is the truth of who I am, I'm going to breathe that in, I'm going to breathe in light and Anything that is not true, that's bothering me, I'm just going to breathe out those thoughts that are bothering me. Mm -hmm. Breathe in the light, breathe out any negative thoughts. And then when you go back out, somebody hits you with something else, you just, oh, that's one of those thoughts I was just talking about. (laughs) (laughs) Breathe in the light, (laughs) breathe out the thought. (laughs) Breathe in the light, breathe out that thought. You don't have to be caught up in it and, you know, you can really start to enjoy it. Then you can sit down and play cards with them and let them talk the opposite side of politics that you'd ever be on and not get all entangled in emotion and reactivity and wind up furious or or drinking just to become unconscious or some other sort of behavior that in the end, you'll just feel bad about and wish you had somehow communicated better. Yeah, I mean, I've definitely noticed how, like, I can kind of go into a situation and be like, well, this isn't going to be the thing that I would choose to do or what I would really like to do, but I'm going to go and have a lot of fun anyways, and I'm going to bring the best out of it and Maybe the one thing for Thanksgiving is like, well, I do really like all of the food and I'm just going to go and enjoy all of the good home cooked meals and the food. And you know, when you can remove yourself from that, you can kind of just take the best parts of the visit, too. Yeah, that's right. Because you can't always control everything. People aren't going to change that much. Certainly not for a holiday. Certainly not for Thanksgiving. I mean, that's about as high stress as gets. 
or Christmas morning, that's about as high stress as it gets. (laughs) (laughs) I think the Christmas morning, it's all the stress building up to that morning. Well, that could be too. (laughs) Or a wedding or something like that. It's about as high stress as it gets. Yeah. Um, You know, people just aren't going to change for that. And uh, it really comes down to your desire to express love and be with your family by actually being with your family. Mm -hmm. If you're in the past, you're not there. You know, if you're, if you're just being an observer and being kind and engaging, you're actually there. Mm -hmm. You know, I always say it's better to be in the room with the person you're making love with, you know, (laughs) (laughs) you have to be present to enjoy yourself. <laughs> if you're still going over what happened when you're two, four, nine, fifteen, whatever, uh, yeah, you're just not there, and so you're not really appreciating who they've become. People change. You know, you're not the same person when you're twenty-five that you were when you were eleven, and neither are your parents or your grandparents. Or your brothers or sisters. Or your brothers or sisters or your aunts or uncles. They've all changed. They might have changed a lot and you maybe not have found out. That's the other thing is you can find out. I found out with my, my stepdad had such different politics from me. He listened to a radio talk show that I would wipe from the face of the earth. But... I thought, you know, I need to find out more about him. I realized I didn't know what his favorite color was. I didn't know know, if he preferred tea or coffee. Mm -hmm. There's so many things I didn't know about him. And I was just focusing on the one or two things that I knew I didn't like. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, I went over a couple times to visit and started just, you know, hey, you know, tell me about this or what is your favorite color? And you know, yeah, just asking better questions. Better questions. Well, actually, if I, if if I was on a date with that person, what would I want to know about him? Like, I really want to get to know you and understand you, and it actually made our relationship much better. We began to find out there were some things we saw, you know, eye to eye. Some things we agreed on. Some things we probably would never agree on, but that was okay. I can respect that, but it gave us a chance to at least see that there was some common ground and we could sit down and be peaceful and play pinnacle or something and have a good time. Yeah. Well, and I think after my dad passed away, that was one of the things that I maybe most regret is not getting to know who he was more. And now that I'm older, I've actually seen quite a few people or suggestions on the internet of just saying interview your parents before they pass away is that's one of the best things that you can do for yourself is just to get to know them and how they grew up and what their life was and some of those those type of questions to get to know who these people are even if you don't agree with it it, I think it creates a better understanding of what makes them them yeah it does and you might find out there's something about them that you really love that you didn't even know or you didn't understand. Mm-hmm. It's it's really interesting when you do you go down that road and interview your your mom and dad like you would if 
you were trying to figure out if this was the person you wanted to spend your life with because you are spending your life with them. Mm-hmm. You know, and your children are going to spend their life with them for as long as they're alive. And, you know, your, your, even your grandchildren might spend part of their life with them. So it's worthwhile to learn to know them, learn to understand them, and find out who they are. It might be really pleasant for you. It might be really wonderful. And you might go away from that visit going, wow, this is the best visit Mm -hmm. that I've ever had. Yeah, I think one of the best ways to get to know someone is to start asking them about their their childhood and what did they like to do with their brothers and sisters growing up? What games did they like to play? Or, you know, what was it like in the town that they grew up in? Um, or ask them about the time period for your your elders of what, what, what was it like growing up in the Great Depression or just those general things that don't necessarily like first come to mind of, you know, what did you do today? How was your year? <laughs> I met a woman that uh, no one had spent any time talking to her. And I started talking to her and I found out she had never had any money until she was 40 because women were never able to work when she was young. Yeah. And then she got a job being able to sew hats in a hat shop, which we hardly even have hat shops nowadays, but uh, yeah, she went as a milliner. And now we have Etsy and home knitting programs, right? <laughs> but uh, and she said when she got her first check, which was about less than five dollars, she was so excited to have money of her own for the first time in her life. Yeah, and it made so much difference to her. She just looked at that check and she was like, "Wow." I actually have this money. And when we had that conversation, I felt like, wow, I really know this person on a different level, having had this conversation and understand her better. Yeah. And um, and I was glad I took the time to do that. Oh, and so I started doing that with my parents. My my stepdad, before he he got lung cancer and became very, very ill, and we sat down and started having these long conversations and it was really very wonderful to yeah. to talk with him about everything about what he thought about god and and spirit and what was going to happen after he died and what he thought about what he had accomplished in his life um, what he was sad about what he was happy about and you know it was very very good for me it was some of the best time of my life with him was those long conversations that i initiated and and I was very sincere about really finding out about him. Yeah. So that's really interesting that you're talking about the woman who wasn't allowed to have any money. Because that's something that you would really hold in your solar plexus of mm-hmm. being able to um, formulate in your material world. And I remember you saying that people nowadays compared to... 60 years ago when you were first doing readings, everyone's more colorful. They are. They're much more expanded. And do you think that's just part of that time frame of now women are allowed to have their own jobs and make money in their own bank accounts? And 
everybody in all relationships and the way that they look at relationship and family dynamics, everything is changing so much that, and I look at people's chakras, especially young people's chakras. I was looking at one just yesterday and there was a color combination that I've never seen in a chakra. Yeah. It wasn't necessarily bad. It, you know, there's no bad. It just was so different. She had purple in her second chakra, which is the color of the crown chakra, which is wisdom and spirituality. And you think, okay, so she wants wisdom and spirituality in her sexual relationship. That's kind of cool. But you, I've never seen that in, right. in that a second cool. chakra. She just didn't go down the usual road. She didn't have any of the usual colors in her second chakra. She wanted pure spirituality, love and healing, wisdom, and spirituality. That's what she wanted in her second chakra. I looked at it and I go, okay, I can, I can see this. This could work. Yeah, so oh. that could be interesting too, going home and starting these conversations. I'm like, wow, I wonder what that looks like in your... <laughs> I wonder what this person's second chakra is looking like. Yeah. I mean, you know, I mean, it's a long way from these guys or girls that say, wouldn't you like to hit that? <laughs> <You know? laughs> I mean... <laughs> but uh, I'm seeing some very unusual things. And it's because we have a much more sophisticated life. We have much more sophisticated family dynamics. And it is showing up in people's chakra systems and the way they think. They think much more multidimensional. You have to, when you go to the doctor, you can't put female. You have to put assigned female at birth. Mm -hmm. Things are Mm. different. Yeah. Uh, Things have changed uh, just tremendously. And all of that is showing up in our chakras. So I'm seeing some people, they just look like a rainbow. They're colors all over the place. And But when I look at it all, it makes sense for that person. And it tells a story about what's important to them and what they want to put out there. And every time I've done a reading for someone with their problems and their attributes and their misbehaviors and the things that they do perfectly and I look at their chakras it all fits so if you look at it that way you'll see that they are the perfect reflection of everything that's been done to them everything they've tried to do Mm -hmm. everything they've tried to express creatively and lovingly it's all fit together and it comes out this way comes out as drunken Uncle Fred or mm-hmm. mischievous teenage brother or however they are playing it out. Yeah, uptight mom that needs the everyone to sit at the dinner table at a certain time or whatever. Or the person that's going to be in the kitchen the whole time and can't sit down no matter what. Yeah, yeah. I know a couple of those around here. <laughs> it's all there. But there's something in their system, their chakras, their history, their belief system that's going to reflect every bit of that. Mm -hmm. And if we look at it that way, it's that this person is telling a story, a very complex and in a way very beautiful story, a story 
that is a rainbow of colors. And the composite of that is exactly how they're behaving on this particular day, in this particular instance, in this particular dynamic. And you wouldn't want them to behave any other way mm-hmm. with everything going on. And they probably can't behave any other way. Yeah, because if they could behave better or show that they love you more, then they would be doing that. Right. It's their highest ability to express love is what they're doing right now. Mm -hmm. They don't go and say, I'm going to go and I'm going to be a real ass and I'm going to make everybody unhappy and I'm going to make everybody wish they didn't come. Nobody. (laughs) (laughs) Nobody has that I hope nobody is going in with the intention to do that. Nobody really wants to do that. I think everybody, when they're heading out, they're thinking, you know, it's going to be good. Uh, Everything's going to be okay. Stuff happens. Stuff happens along the way. Yeah. Is there a way that we can talk to the people that we're visiting and setting some boundaries that might make us uncomfortable ahead of time before we even, you know, get into the situation? If you do it carefully, I think there's nothing wrong with that. Make some calls and say, you know, I prefer not to talk about this or I prefer not to do that, you know, and I'm going to be there because I love you and I want to be there. But uh, yeah, and you can set boundaries during the during the time, but you can also put a boundary around you. You know, it's very useful if you talk to your angels and say, I want to draw a line around me tonight Mm -hmm. So that nobody is sarcastic and attacks me. Yeah. I want you to put a put an energy line around me so no one is going to get nasty and attack me during this evening mm-hmm. or this day or this event. That helps because angels are very good at these energy lines and they can do that. And I want you to put a line around anybody that's liable to misbehave and keep them from hurting any other family member. Mm-hmm. Uh, angels are very good at these behavioral lines and these boundaries. They help to enforce these boundaries. So just keep throwing them on there. <laughs> Who wants a bored angel? <laughs> Who wants a bored angel? <laughs> well, I'm always yes, thinking of things for my angels to do. Like, yeah. oh, great, she's awake. Here we go. Yeah. <laughs> but... No, but I like that because then, yeah, you can kind of talk to them, your angels, and talk to the family members and then talk to your angels. And, you know, hopefully some of that will help in the the physical boundaries and your energetic boundaries. Years ago, I had, sometimes I had people come to me and they would come to have a reading because their friend came and they all thought they'd all have a reading, then they'd all go get their astrology, then they'd all do Ouija board or something. And I thought, this is awful, you know, I don't want this. So I said to my angels, I want you to draw a line around me so no one can come to me unless they really want to heal. Mm -hmm. And now I tell people, well, I'm glad you're here because... I know you're going to heal because the people that come to me are the people that want to heal and they're the people that are going to heal. Uh-huh. And people say, you know, that's right. I hadn't been ready, but I decided I was ready to heal. So I decided to come see you. 
I said, I know that because my angels drew a line. Because otherwise you wouldn't be able to make the appointment. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) But it does work. It does work. And I stopped having those people that were just being silly and really didn't care about what I had to say or was just wasting their time and wasting my time. So that does work. And it will make things easier. It'll just contain some of that just crazy energy. Yeah, and then I imagine the like pulling your energy in like a balloon would also be beneficial in these group settings as well. And so that you're not picking up other people's emotions while you're with everybody. Yes, you know, it just like in large ceremonies, I've talked about how one person gets nauseous and the next person feels it. It's the same thing in a family dynamic. One person gets angry and anger starts going around the room. Yeah. She's angry now. I'm angry. What's that now? I'm feeling, you know, uh, now Uncle Ted's grabbed a bottle and he's drinking more than he should. So I need a drink. (laughs) I need a drink. (laughs) You know. So when that happens, you know, you're starting to feel that. Just recognize that that is not you. That is just emotion going around in this tight space. And, you know, one thing you can do, a real practical thing, is you could actually bring a little bottle, a spray bottle of essential oil and just bring go your sage and, and feather and, and start with well, and everything or essential the room. oil and choo, 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 choo. <laughs> you know, if you if you um, if you use a combination of peppermint oil and a little bit of uh, frankincense together, it makes people mentally more alert and. It raises their vibrations. Mm-hmm. I used to use that when people, when I was teaching workshops, if people started to get a little bit kind of hazy or sleepy, spray that around. All of a sudden, everybody's kind of bright and happy again. So is this just like a, a spray bottle of distilled water and a couple drops of each? Mm-hmm. But you can do that, or you could bring a little tiny leaf of sage and just light it and walk <laughs> around and just like, okay, time to like light this little sage. Or even just walk around with a candle with yeah. the intention of uh, smudging out some of those things. And on a personal level, just go, whoa, I'm feeling anger. Is that mine? Nope, that's not my anger. Uh, do I need to get angry? No, I don't. Yeah. Okay, hey, ha- angel, why don't you take care of whoever's anger this is and help them to dissipate this anger? I just don't need to have this anger right now. And if you do that, you can turn the whole thing around. Yeah, I think for some family dynamics, uh, lighting a couple scented holiday candles might be more tangible than walking in with your your sage and stuff. That's, Not a bad but... idea. You could pick it up and go, wow, this candle smells so good. Have a smell. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think I'm going to take this into the bathroom, too. I'm going to walk this. Yeah. Take it to the kitchen. Yeah. <laughs> I brought some gifts. Look at all these beautiful <laughs> candles I've got to light around the house. I mean, no, that's a good way to do it. Any lit flame actually does eat up negative thought forms. Um, so that's that's a good way to do it. You, yeah. could, you could bring a scented candle, light one, and let everybody, if things get <laughs> kind of irritable, let everybody smell the lovely scented candle you brought and walk around the house with it a little bit, and it will lighten everything up. It yeah. will change the dynamic. And that's a good thing you can do. And then with your personal energy, 
you it is like a bubble it's 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 your personal energy field pull it in just pull it in as tight to you as possible so that you're not having everybody in your field and just think this is my energy bubble is just like a I like to think of mine as like a little golden egg around me of soft gold light and just bring it in close. And when you do that, you're going to notice when a thought or a feeling isn't yours, it feels a really different. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah, this isn't me. This isn't me. This is somebody else. And you can even ask, whose anger is that? Oh, that's my sister's anger. Okay. Let's just send that right back to her. <laughs> <laughs> well, or I don't need to have it. I can just breathe it out and breathe in light. You yeah. know, I don't need to be angry. You know, I don't need to be frustrated. I don't need to be whatever. I don't choose to be that. Mm-hmm. What I choose to be is accepting of all the love that my family has brought for me. And to send each of my family members as much love as I can. Mm-hmm. Hopefully get to know them more on this one particular opportunity. And, you know, so we can grow together and expand more light and love each other. Mm-hmm. That would be my goal for the day. Yeah, that seems like a good good goal for the day, the year, the holiday. The minute, the whatever. The minute, whatever. Life. And that works. It does work. And then you're going to go home and you're going to say, you know, that that wasn't so bad. We could do this again. Or that was challenging, but not as challenging as it normally is. Right, right. At least if you're making that much of a conscious effort, you'll go home feeling a little bit prouder of yourself rather than if you just sunk into some angry or regretful argument or depression or something of that nature. And then you just... Like, why did I do that? And I wish I did something different. Mm-hmm. You can go home feeling like, well, I made an effort. And I think I did a decent job about that. Yeah. And and that's a good thing. You know? Those little things add up. They really do. When you make an effort for people, it makes a huge difference. You know, I knew a, a couple that... The, the man is was not particularly great looking and he was not particularly attentive but he brought his wife a rose every single day of their marriage yeah yeah make, i think you talked about him in a different episode yeah when you're making an effort it adds up yeah <laughs> every gesture it adds up and when you're learning to manage your when you're learning to think of yourself as an energetic person and and going into these situations and and looking about that having that kind of consciousness it does make your consciousness better and it does make you more aware and more compassionate yeah well and i think awareness is like one of the key factors in that too is being aware that of what's going on what's not yours and or just noticing what's around the room rather than being reactive. Right. You're looking out at your family members, engaging with them, rather than just being in your head about what you wanted or hoped for or needed or, you know, whatever. You're not in your head. Mm-hmm. You're out there being with your family, which was the goal. Was yeah. To be with each other. Be engaging. That's the goal. 
and to share your love and and be part of this family entity. You do have a part. Even if you're if you're the shaman that lives at the end of the village, if you're the coyote, you have a, you have a part. You might not be the, you know, you might not be the king, you know, or the queen, if you know, even though you might want that, but you do have a part. Yeah. And you can discover what part you have in the family and maybe that's just the part you were made for and you could have a lot of fun with that. Yeah. Awesome. Well, Happy Thanksgiving, Mom. Happy Thanksgiving. <laughs> and, uh, are we going to have tacos again or are we going to have turkey? <laughs> no, Mexican food. Always. Mexican food. <laughs> More salsa. <laughs> yes. Yeah. I'm determined to go back 10 pounds heavier. Okay. <laughs> That's a lot of salsa. I better get chopping. <laughs> Good luck, everyone. Happy Thanksgiving.